Amen. Well, it is good to see you all. And those of you who I can't even see but know you're checking us out online, I'm thankful for that. Why don't you grab your Bibles and go with me to the book of Habakkuk. We are going to be in the book of Habakkuk. There is no shame if you need to use the table of contents in your Bible to find Habakkuk. It is all the way back there in the, in the Old Testament. Actually, only a few books away from the New Testament. Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum. There it is, Habakkuk. Uh, and, and then a couple of other books right before the New Testament. So uh, it, it's only, it's really short, only three chapters in there. Uh, but this is kind of in the area of the Bible where your pages may be sticking together. We, we don't spend a whole lot of time in, uh, especially in the minor prophets, especially because uh, sometimes they're just really confusing. And, and I don't know about you, if you've read through them, sometimes they feel a little depressing and judgy and bloody, and there's all sorts of like uh, difficult imagery, and it's hard to know what's going on contextually. There's just so much that, 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 that uh, the, the history of what's happening, that, that we're hard, it's, it's hard for us to keep up with that, and where are we at in the timeline, and, and, and what's going on. And so we are going to preach through uh, the book of Habakkuk over the next uh, four weeks, and I'm really excited about this. I think it's going to be something that's really helpful, but uh, to get us into it, to try to give us a little bit of context, let me sum up what's happening uh, historically as we read this book. So, so when Habakkuk is writing, here's, here's what you need to know. The world is a hot mess. Like that's basically all you need to know, okay? If you got that, you're going to understand the context enough. But uh, let's go ahead and get just a little bit of history. I'm going to throw a map up here on the screen to try to help you understand just a little bit of what's happening in this book. So Habakkuk is writing in the southern kingdom of Judah. So you may remember your Old Testament history that at one point after David and Solomon and then Solomon's son, and then uh, that's when the kingdom was divided into two kingdoms. You've got a kingdom in the north up there, like Samaria is what it says on the map. That's the northern kingdom that we called Israel, and then the southern kingdom is what we call uh, Judah. Now, in the north, when, when they had all bad kings. Every single king that the northern kingdom had was evil and wicked. Now, in the south, they had some uh, good kings, mostly bad. Uh, but but the, uh, the northern kingdom there, by the time that Habakkuk is writing this, they had already been carried off into exile by the Assyrian army. So Assyria was this global superpower, okay, and they had already taken the northern kingdom off into exile. Why did, they, why, did, why did they have to do that? Well, the reason that they went into exile was because of Israel's wickedness and their rebellion against God. And God had told him time and time again, guys, like, you got to get your act together. You got to repent. Like, let's get this right. And, and, and they continued to reject God. They continued to do their own thing. They're doing all this wicked. Not one good king in the northern kingdom. God's finally like, all right, you're done. And took them out with the Assyrian army, which you would think, you would think that that would have been uh, a lesson or a warning for God's people. And that happened maybe a hundred years uh, before Habakkuk is writing this. And, and, and yet, Assyria is still a global superpower and an existential threat to Judah. 
Northern Israel, if you kind of think of it like they're like the older brother that like just constantly makes terrible life choices and, and is always getting into trouble and eventually just destroys and ruins his life. Then, then Judah, the southern kingdom, they're kind of like the younger brother that's watching that happen and sometimes uh, kind of learns to avoid some of the same mistakes that his older brother made, but in the end kind of follows suit and uh, messes up his life as well. So Habakkuk is writing, actually, a couple of decades before Judah, the southern kingdom, is going to be carried off into exile as well. Now, Habakkuk is, is a minor prophet, but he's kind of a different prophet. I know, like, maybe in your mind, when you think about the prophets, I don't know what, the, like, the first thing that comes into your mind, but, but it might be a bunch of old guys with big white beards that are pointing their fingers and screaming and yelling, and, 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 and they're just really angry because, because God's ticked off, which, is, like, he's rightfully so. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of sin, there's a lot of judgment that's happening in the prophets, and, and while a lot of the prophets, most of them are bringing a message of warning and judgment from God, to the people, like, thus says the Lord, I've got a message from God. Habakkuk's actually a little bit different. This little book of, of just three chapters is actually a dialogue between the prophet of the Lord and the Lord himself. We actually get to hear Habakkuk's prayers and this conversation that he has with God. Now, we don't know a whole lot about this guy personally and about his ministry other than what we're reading here, but uh, uh, even though we don't know a whole lot about him, some of you will appreciate this, Habakkuk is a realist. This guy just like sees things for the way they are. And he's writing here, we're going to see his just raw honesty as he's actually questioning God, almost kind of like complaining. You'll even see that in, in some of the subtitles in your Bible. Like he's super concerned, he's, he's discouraged, and he is beside himself with frustration. Why is he so concerned? Why, why is he frustrated? Well, the reason that he's going to be discouraged and, and even asking God these questions is because he's struggling with what he's seeing in the world. Are you struggling with what you're seeing in the world? After a week like we've had, after a year like 2020, as you're scrolling through the news and, and, and reading all the comments on social media and watching everybody just getting into fights back and forth and you just look and you see like our mess, uh, this, this world just so messed up and, and there's sin and just depravity that's celebrated and it's, and it's rampant, it's just everywhere. Everything seems kind of dark right now. It seems a little hopeless. That's what Habakkuk's seeing in his world. But this book, I, I got to tell you, like, it, it's almost shocking when you're reading through the, the Old Testament. We, we wouldn't even expect it, but there's so much hope here. This is a message of hope. So I think I hope you see this is going to be really relevant for us because the same things that he's dealing with are the same things that we're seeing, but there's some encouragement for us here. So here's the big idea that I want you to see in chapter one. This is the thing that Habakkuk is going to learn tonight. It's this, that God is working in our world even when it's difficult for us to see 
and understand. God is working in the world. Even if you're like, I don't see it and I don't really understand what's going on here. And why don't we do this? Let's read together. Uh, I'm going to start Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to read just a couple of verses to begin. It says this, the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. And here's Habakkuk talking, verse 2. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you, violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. Sound familiar? So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. So, so here's Habakkuk's first uh, complaint. And we're going to see God's response in verses 5 through 11 in just a minute. But his basic argument, his basic question is this. There's so much wrong with this world that I'm living in. God, why aren't you doing anything about it? I'm crying out for help here, God. I like, I like, it seems like you're not listening. Do you see what's going on? Are, are you noticing all this evil that's there? He says, verse 3, I'm having to live with all of this iniquity, this wickedness, this, this evil that's around me. He is watching his society completely unravel because they've rejected the Lord. And man, it's getting ugly. They're whoring after all of these other gods, all these other things beside the Lord, and they're throwing off moral restraint. As as he looks around, he's seeing so much sexual immorality all around him, and there's temple prostitution, and there's idolatry. They're like bowing down to all these... Literally, they're taking some idols and setting them up in the temple of the Lord where they're supposed to be worshiping Yahweh alone. they got all of this idolatry going on. They're acting just like all of the other nations around them. While I was in Israel uh, a few years ago, I got a chance to to visit this place. I got a a picture of this city of Gezer. And you can see this is actually, uh, this is not, uh, this is a place of worship, but it's not to Yahweh. Right in the middle of the kingdom of Judah, they erected a high place to worship false gods. You can kind of see there in the bottom, there's, there, there's a sacrificial altar uh, that they would have made sacrifices. And, and, and archaeologists actually discovered at this site the evidence of child sacrifices. They're literally burning their children alive on the fire to false gods. I mean, how sick and twisted is that? And, and Habakkuk's like, why do you idly look at wrong? He can't square what he's seeing in the world with what he knows about God. That God is a, 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 a holy God. And God is a jealous God. And God is a just God. And yet there's all this evil and wickedness and rebellion that exists. And, and, and he's, it's like, God, you're, you're just letting this happen. He's seeing, he says, destruction and and violence and strife and contention. People are just fighting. They're killing each other. His society, it's just out of control. And the society's being destroyed because of all their, their hatred and violence. Verse 4, justice is actually perverted. There's, there's abuse. There's oppression. 
There's injustice that's happening all around them. And what's a little bit shocking is that he's not talking about some, some other foreign bad guys, right? Because it's easy for us, when, a lot of times when we're reading scripture, we think about like, you know, God's people are good guys and everybody else is the bad guys. In fact, uh, I have trained my kids to be Ohio State Buckeyes fans. And uh, Javen now is at the point where he thinks the Buckeyes are the good guys, which means that every other team are the bad guys, which I've tried to tell him is that's not exactly true except for Michigan. Like, he's allowed to think that they're bad guys. But, 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 but that's the way we think of it, right? A lot of times when we think about us, like we're the good guys and everybody else is the bad guys. Here's the problem. Habakkuk is seeing all of this wickedness, all of this injustice. It's happening in his own neighborhood. It's God's chosen people who are acting like this. They are the bad guys. In fact, at one point, one of the kings in the kingdom of Judah, Scripture tells us this king uh, led them astray to do more evil than the nations had done whom the Lord destroyed. Like, they're actually worse than all the other unbelieving pagan nations around them. It's pretty bad. So Habakkuk is lamenting this, and, 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 and his complaint is like, Lord, how, how can this be? How can you just let this happen? How long are you just going to let this go? And we've at least got to give Habakkuk some props for, for being honest and for being troubled and disturbed by sin. Are we disturbed by the evil and the injustice in our world like we should be? Does it bother us? Do, do we, I thought about this this week, do we weep over the lostness that we see in our world? When you read what Habakkuk's saying in these first four verses, I don't know about you, but it's not hard to see some of the similarities in what we're looking at. We can almost compare worlds, what he's going through, what we're going through. We're like, man, it's the same thing. Do you see it? He was seeing contention and strife. Have you seen that lately? Man, with all the political unrest and arrogance and pride and, and, and harsh vitriol and hatred and, and, and demonizing language and, and, and fighting. And the, the racial tension and injustice we've had in our nation and murder and violence. Abortion, killing babies, like, okay, so maybe we're not, like, burning kids on the fire to a physical idol, but I, I think we're sacrificing our children on the altar of self-interest or our individual autonomy. And our culture is full of self-indulgence. We're just obsessed with our rights and our, our wants and and, and competing to get more for ourselves. And, and, and then as we look around, we're seeing there's so much sexual immorality. Like things that, that our, our ethics have strayed so far from, from God that we're just like morally lost. Where, where depravity, like the things that we're seeing on TV and it shows like almost everywhere we're seeing, these things have become normalized. And, and, and we're celebrating 
Things that are a distortion and a rejection of God's design. We actually look at some of those things in our culture and we call things that are evil good. And, and there's rampant abuse. There's oppression. Even in our own backyard, there's trafficking. Do we grieve? This is not the way things are meant to be. I got to be honest with you, this was kind of convicting for me this week as I thought about this because um, it, we all see it. Like, I see it. Um, but I get tired of it. I, I get tired of reading it. I get tired of looking at it. I get, I get tired of watching the same. Like, it, it's, it's depressing to me. And so, so, so sometimes it's easier for me to just try to keep myself distracted from looking at all these harsh and horrible realities that are around us. And... and all things considered, I have a really comfortable life, to be honest. And so it's, uh, it's easier for me to just sit on my couch and stream movies, stream shows, follow sports, have fun with my family, and just ignore what's happening all around me. Now, it's not wrong to enjoy life. That's fine. But it is wrong if I don't care. I don't know, the Lord's just kind of like, I think I've got more work to do on this one, that I, that I don't groan enough, that I'm not often brought to my knees over the sin and the evil in our world. And, and I had to think, like, if I'm, if I'm just kind of tuning it out and, and, and blocking it out and trying to just go back to my comfortable life, that's not a sign of somebody who is genuinely and courageously living sent. If we care about this world and we care about the people that are living in it and we're actually looking closely at what's going on all around us and if we believe that God really is who he says he is, then we ought to struggle at some level with what we're seeing. But I want you to notice how how Habakkuk handles this, okay? So he's wrestling with it. But, but notice what he does. Notice actually who he's talking to. He's not griping on social media. He's, he's, he's not just stewing in silent bitterness and despair. He actually, he's talking to God, which I think is the first lesson for us. If you're taking notes, I'd love for you to note this. Take your struggles with the world directly to the Lord. Take your struggles with the world directly to the Lord. If we're taking time to actually look around and, and care about other people besides just ourselves and what they're going through, then we're going to feel the stress of living in, in, a, in this darkness of a broken and fallen world and not just when it impacts me directly. We're going we're gonna to start to feel it. And if I actually love God and I want to see him get the glory that he deserves, then it's going to bother me when I see people rejecting him and when I see my community being ripped apart and ruined by the destruction of sin and this darkness that's all around us. But, but the, the question is, what do I do? 
when I see it? Like, what do, what do I do about it? Like, how do I know? How, how should I respond when I'm wrestling with what I'm seeing on the news or, 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 or when I'm reading something on social media or what I'm hearing my friends say or, or, or even when I'm feeling scared or hopeless or discouraged or even frustrated or when I have doubts? Like, what, what do I do? Well, let's do what Habakkuk does and let's pray. How about we pray when we're struggling more than we post about our complaints and frustrations for others to read? Like, we have this awesome privilege of coming into the presence of this God who is in control of all things and bringing our struggles and bringing our questions to him. And and honestly, the more you think about it, if you're honest, if you're taking a hard look at this and you're thinking about who God is and in light of all the things that are happening, it, it, it may actually bother you when it seems like things are actually out of control and it doesn't look like God's doing anything about it. And I want to tell you that it's okay. It's even healthy if you're wrestling with these doubts and confusion when they don't make sense, as long as you make sure that you're taking those doubts and those struggles and those questions directly to the Lord. Like some of the worst things you can do in this is to just pretend like everything's okay when it's not. And and just stuff your doubts down and fake like you believe him when you really don't. And you're not being honest with him. Or, when you let your, the, the doubts and all the confusion cause you to actually just walk away from God altogether as if he's to blame or as if he doesn't exist. But look at what he's doing. Look, look at what Habakkuk is doing. By, by taking his struggles directly to the Lord, he's showing that even though he's confused, even though he's frustrated, even though he's like, I, I don't understand, I don't get this, he still believes that God is the one who has the answer and he is the one who can fix it all. He's demonstrating his faith in that. Are you struggling with what you're seeing in the world? Are you wrestling with some of these things? Can I just encourage you, take it to the Lord. We, we can go right to him. Enter in because of the blood of Christ. And it leads us to the, the, the second lesson here. If you're taking notes, note this. You may be shocked by his sovereignty. You might actually be shocked if you bring this to the Lord. We're going to read, in, in just a minute, we're going to read verse 5, but I, I just want you to notice first, just notice this, God answers so, so Habakkuk's questioning, and he's complaining, and he's praying, and his prayers are not met by silence. He's, God, God actually graciously responds to him, which just reminds us that God is listening. Because we are in Christ, we can come boldly into the throne room. We can talk to God in our honesty and our questions and our struggles and let him have it, Lord. This is where I'm at. I'm just being raw and honest with you. And God is listening because he knows and he cares about what we're dealing with. I love this. So why don't we read? We're going to look at what God says to him in response. Uh, Read with me in verse 5, and let's hear what God says to him. He says this, look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Sounds pretty good. Verse 6, for behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses 
are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They, they gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. Here's what God's saying. Look, you're wondering if I've noticed that my people are living in sin and, and rebellion. You're wondering how long I'm just going to let this happen, and you're wondering if I'm doing anything. Well, I'm doing something. In fact, check it out. I'm about to do something that's totally going to shock you. You wouldn't even believe it if I told you. And here it is, verse 6. Look at, look at verse 6. Here's, here's his answer. This is what God is doing. He's raising up the Chaldeans. Can I get an Amen. All right, the, the Chaldeans is another name for the Babylonians. You might just want to write that in your Bible there. This is Babylon. So what, what God is saying is here, he's going to use Babylon to bring judgment on his people in the kingdom of Judah. And actually this happens just a couple decades after this writing. And this, this warning, this, this, this prophetic warning is kind of scary because the, the way God describes these guys, these guys are really bad. In fact, they, he's, he's saying they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster. He, he describes them like, like wild animals. Verse 8, they're like leopards or, or wolves, and they don't care who gets in their way. They're just taking what they want. They don't care about what's right. They don't care about what's wrong. They're, verse 9, they're, their violence uh, is going to rival the violence that Habakkuk had seen in verse 3. And no one can stand a chance against these guys in battle. They're, gonna, they're just going to wipe out nations and ruthlessly destroy kingdoms with this maniacal laugh in verse 10. And verse 11, they're just full of, of pride. And they idolize and they trust in their own strength. Which, by the way, side note, that's just foolishly ironic because God is the one who actually raises them up and uses them for his own purposes. But, but what God is telling them, like, these guys are nasty. But that's God's answer. So he is doing something. He's, he's not idly looking at wrong like Habakkuk had accused him of in verse 3. God says, I'm going to bring judgment and justice on his rebellious people, and he's going to use a wicked and unjust nation to do it. And so Habakkuk is like, oh, cool. Great, that sounds awesome. Like, I mean, as long as I know you're keeping busy and you've got a plan, that sounds great. No, no, that's not what Habakkuk... In fact, we're going to see it next week, but Habakkuk's like, wait, what? Like, that, how is that your answer? You've got to be kidding me. That can't be right. And we'll look at that next week, but Habakkuk doesn't like this answer, but what this answer proves is this. God is working in our world even when it's difficult for us to see and understand. God has not fallen asleep at the wheel. God, is, God has not gotten distracted by other things and forgotten about us. He, he's not for one second has he lost control of what's going on here. You, you ever had a, a close call while you were driving on the road? 
Maybe like you, you, were, you were driving along and all of a sudden you got distracted. I don't know, like you saw Chick-fil-A or you saw the, the hot and ready sign at Krispy Kreme for just a minute and you found yourself kind of like veering off to the side or almost slamming into the person behind you. You had one of those moments. Well, what he's trying to help us understand is as unbelievably crazy as this last year has been, as chaotic as this last week was, it was not a close call where God was sweating it out and be like, whew, that was a close one. Like almost lost it there for a second. Not, not for one second was he even afraid that things might all crash. He is always in control. And you may be shocked by his sovereignty. His sovereignty means that, that he's ruling over all of his creation and he is in control of all things. And, and so the fact that he's using Babylon, he's helping us understand Babylon is just a tool in God's sovereign hands. But watch what it shows. Think about this. It shows us that God can even use evil in his sovereign plan for his good purposes. And I am so thankful for that. Because without that truth, we wouldn't have the cross. It was God's good plan to use the evil and the injustice of the cross to satisfy his justice and his wrath so that we could be forgiven and have our fellowship with God restored. The darkest day in history is the reason that we have hope. And I know sometimes like when, when, when we're watching what's happening, God's plan and his purposes and the way he's working all these things out, sometimes it just doesn't make sense to us. And it can be confusing and it can be frustrating and it might even leave you with doubts. But let me share with you what, what God says to us. In Isaiah 55, you know this, Isaiah 55 verse 9, God tells us this, my ways are higher than your ways. We don't always get it. And it doesn't make sense to us. And, and who are we to tell God, like, this is all wrong, God. Like, you just got to go with my plan. I know what I'm talking about. The question is this, are you willing to come to the Lord when you're struggling with what you're seeing? And are you willing to admit that your own perspective is limited? That you don't see everything. You don't always understand it. And even accept that his ways are higher than yours. And trust that he knows what he's doing and he is working and that everything he does is good. Are you willing to trust that? We don't always have to understand it all. But I think it, as, as we're looking and watching what's happening in the news, as you're watching the things that are happening in your own life and you're wrestling with these things, the sovereignty and the goodness of God gives us hope in the midst of that. That he is working. He is doing a good work. And we can trust him. Will you pray with me? I just want to give you a minute um, to pray quietly before the Lord. Because I realize it's just been a crazy year. It's been a crazy week been a lot that's happened 
I just want to encourage you to pray to the Lord right now and take your struggles to him. You've been wrestling with something? You're tired of watching what you're watching on the news? Have you been bothered by some of the things that are going on in our world today? Do you have some doubts? Do you have some fears? I want to just encourage you to take those to the Lord right now. And ask him to help you trust that he is working. And to remember that he does what he pleases and everything he does is good all the time. Ask him to fill you with hope in this new year. Just spend a moment praying to the Lord, asking him to do that work in your heart. Lord, we don't always understand and we're just here to admit to you tonight, we get it, that's okay. We don't have to. We don't have to figure all of this out. But Lord, we trust that you are sovereign, that you're in control. You haven't let go of the wheel. You know what you're doing. And every time you work, everything you do, it's good. God, I pray that we would give up trying to fix it ourselves. I pray that we would come humbly asking you to work in our time of need, knowing and trusting that you will, that you care about us, that you love us. Lord, I'm so thankful that in your sovereign plan, you used the evil and the injustice of the cross to bring about our salvation, to give us hope. What a good God. You are awesome. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to trust you in this new year. I do pray for our leaders in our nation. You've instructed us to pray for them. And God, I pray that you would, in your sovereign plan, you would use them. God, I pray that you would use them to restrain evil. I pray that you would use them to protect the innocent. I pray that you would use them to promote justice and righteousness and peace. But Lord, even if things are dark, even if things get worse, we're not going to move from this place where we, we trust you. We're firm on this, that we believe we've seen it. You are working and you are good. And so Lord, we declare that, the victory that we have in Christ, and we rest in that tonight. And it's because of Jesus and in his name we pray. Amen.